This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Full Contact. In association with Mitsubishi Motors. Drive your ambition. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Mitsubishi Motors. We're underway for the inaugural Autumn Nations Cup where there were wins for England, Scotland and Ireland, another defeat for Wales and their head coach Wayne Pivak. England were making their first appearance at Twickenham since March and despite impressing they barely needed to get out second gear, or at least seemed that way, to put away a disappointing Georgia side. We reflect on England's game and look ahead to the weekend's clash with Ireland with one of England's try scorers from the weekend, Elliot Daly. As for Ireland, they ran out comfortable winners over an out-of-sorts Wales side. Now six defeats in a row for the Welsh under Wayne Pivak, who has only two wins since he was named as a replacement for Warren Gatland. We'll be discussing where the Welsh need to go from here and, my goodness, could you imagine this, if it makes sense to replace Pivak already? Well, what a week it's been for fans of Scottish sport. After securing qualification to Euro 2020 during the week, Greg Townsend side made it five wins in a row by coming from behind to beat Italy in Florence. Fly-half Adam Hastings missed the game with an injury, but he's been very much to the forefront of Scotland's recent form, and we'll be speaking to him to find out what has actually clicked under Gregor Townsend and whether him and Finn Russell can work together, and if he's confident... Scotland making six wins in a row this weekend against France. Ahead of the draw for the Women's World Cup this week, we will be speaking to England and Harlequin centre Rachel Burford to about the draw itself and about another convincing win for the Red Roses at the weekend. We saw them move to the number one of the world rankings. And, as ever, we'll also be answering your questions and we'll take a closer look at some of the work being done at grassroots level during the last seven months as part of the Mitsubishi Motors Volunteer Recognition Programme. And alongside me today, chat all this through, is the former England centre Tom May. Hello Tom. Hi, how are we doing? Now I understand you've just got back from uh, Italy recovering the game. You told me things are a bit different there in terms of how they are policing things. Well, we complain about lockdown here, but 
lockdown is certainly very different over there. Uh, three different grades, uh, yellow, orange and red. I was in orange in Florence when, when I first arrived. By the time I left, it was red. You're not allowed to leave your house. There's, uh, there's armed forces wandering about, not asking where you're going. It's, um, it's certainly uh, more stringently policed than, than the one here. Mm-hmm. Well, um, England, it was, it was a comfortable win. And actually, um, I'm not saying, I, I thought England were trying to make a point. I mean, they've had to Georgia as opponents in, in training and so on, and they got, um, a, you got roughed up in the World Cup final. And I thought they just said, right, this is a chance to prove to Georgia and the rest of the world that actually, you know, up front we are solid, and you're not going to do that to us. And it made it quite, it seemed to be quite playable. They kept taking the scrums as an option early on, that they weren't that interested in playing a much more expansive game. They were going to do that job. Look, I, I think the conditions were difficult and got worse. Well, that's another thing, isn't it? Yeah. And you can only play to, 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 the, to the, I guess, the, the conditions. And, and they did get very, very bad during that second half. But I think you're right. There is a, there is a certain element of um, a big statement being, being told early on in these games when Eddie Jones comes up against these sides that have per- perceived strengths. Right, we'll try and match you. Toe to toe for that, and and you know they took they took on the Georgians right where the Georgians are, or would fancy their strengths to be. Well, we've got Elliot Daly coming on in a moment, so we can ask him a lot of things to do with this. But um, I tell you one thing that's been made be, be clear with me: the games are obviously much better in front of crowds for players, for commentators, for viewers, for everything. But I tell you what, it does do. It shows um, which parts of the game drag and which don't, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and there <laughs> if are. If you've not got a compensating atmosphere around you. No, I know it, it highlights the, um, I guess the, the 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 elements that need work on within within the game, and we're trying to develop it as a spectacle all the time, aren't we? And trying to look at ways that we can speed it up and make it more engaging. And, and there's there's clearly issues in and around the scrum still. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it takes far too long to get the ball back in place. So, uh, but they are—they're certainly uh, highlighted when there's no fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Willis, Ollie Lawrence uh, made their debuts. How did you assess them? Do you think they'll feature against Ireland? Yeah, look, I think Jack Willis has been—he's been knocking on the door for a long time, hasn't he? he who was it? South Africa. He was probably going to come up against, apart from uh, for injury. Um, and I think his performances in the latter stages of the Premiership were outstanding. Um, I think the problem for him is the strength and depth that there are in and around the, those positions. Yeah. Um, Ollie good, Nor- good, um, good problem to have, actually, for, for Jones in England. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and that's exactly where the squad want to be. They want to they have two or three, I would think, in each position or, and fellas that can, that can interchange in, in between positions. I think that's also very important. Um, and you look, at the, you look at Elliot Daly, who we're going to speak to in a minute, he... It sort of epitomises that full-back wing, outside centre, gives real options to, to what uh, Eddie Jones can, can do. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Ireland this weekend. Ireland are going to have a couple of players out, Sexton and Henshaw. I mean, they're big players. They, they are, and Billy Burns is, you know, looks to be struggling with a head injury. Do they go with um, Conor Murray as a, as a 10 option? That's, that's something that's been discussed. I, listen, if they that's, do... I'm, I'm very reluctant to do that. You know, uh, he's such a specialist. I know the French have... Well, exactly. French have done it. That shows it's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> but uh, they're not they're not interchangeable for me. No, I, look, I think especially at that level, I think you could probably get away with it at club or, or, or uh, regional level. Um, but 
against a side that's not not a side you want to be coming up against in England and, and having to change your, your, your pivotal position. Um, it's I think it's going to be a really tough afternoon for the Irish. Actually, I mm. think um, from where from where they had been and have been to where they are now is is a is a very big. distance. Well, the other thing is, I mean, they, they show, it, it wasn't as bad uh, over the weekend, but again, they're out, the line out, you know, um, tottered a bit. And they've usually been completely secure on every, you know, and every bit of their set phase play. And England are, again are not a sort of side you want to come up against if you if you if you're foundering there because one thing England are good at they're good at focusing on particular points maybe over focusing sometimes, but if if they get that um, part of the game as to be one to attack and they do go for you you can they can cause a lot of problems. Yeah, I think look the score. Scoreline was thirty-two nine, wasn't it, against Wales? I was struggling to watch that at points. Mm. It was a, it was a poor game, and I'm not sure that um, the Irish would be that that impressed with the way that they performed. Yes, okay, that it's it, it's a win and it's a comfortable win in the end, but I think that's more of a reflection of where Wales are actually. Well, what do you? What, let's let's go on to talk about that. What do you? I mean, I'm not. I really am not one for saying sack managers, uh, coaches, no. directors quickly. Because you've got to give them time. I think the most distressing thing, if you're a Welsh fan, I've been speaking to quite a few of them, is that they can't see what's, what they're trying to do. You know, I was saying, you know, they, they don't seem to know what to do with front football. And they certainly haven't got a clue. You know, it's very difficult to do anything with back football as well. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm just asking, I'll ask you, did you think, can you de- define what sort of pattern they're trying to play? No. Uh, that's the short answer uh, but I also think that there's there's an element of time that needs to be given to new coaches that, that, that come in and that historically they've had one of the best coaches that we've seen for a number of years uh, in Warren Gatland and you change that and change all of the systems around that it's well, going to take well, some time well the other thing is I mean you've got, you've got this has gone under the radar a bit because of Pivak and um, Gatland but Sean Edwards has yeah. left Sean Edwards is there almost as long as Gatland, so and arguably more valuable to that team than than, than probably Gatland, I would think, in terms of the emphasis that he would have had on that team. Yeah, um, and poor old Byron Hayward has come into a into a job where, you know, how you can then replicate the levels of, of standard um, that you've seen from a defensive system mm. or is, is expected from a defensive system is very difficult. Um, you know, and he's he's disappeared out the back door already. Yeah, well, I mean, if the if the thing is, if they, that's not going to help them in their quest for stability, is it? No, I mean, and you know, you, you, before you, before you, I would have thought, before you try to get some form of pattern established within a squad, you should at least have your management systems nailed down because otherwise they're, they're both fluid, and that that can't be good. Well, your default systems need to be there, don't they? And, yeah, and and. and right, this is what we're going to do in this part of the game and this is the basis of our attack. Then you can adjust elements of it. If you go in and make what seem to be like big changes because of the, you know, the, 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 there is no clear way that that team is trying to play, um, it, it, you can come unstuck, especially at the international level. I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, Sean Edwards is quite clear, clear about this. He said he didn't get a long enough contract offer. And people were saying, well, he wanted four years. And I was thinking, well, uh, it's different when you've uh, not done anything. Well, not, not, if you've not been proven in that job, even though you've got a CV which is good enough, 
than when you've been there a long time and you've certainly proved that your input has been valuable. I think that's in a different category. And why you wouldn't give that... You, the people are saying, well, you can't give it you can't give it a longer contract than PVAC. Well, why not? It, well, also, surely surely you're working on, on World Cup cycles. I would have thought so, yeah. So what's the point in having the NLS? Because it just brings you to a point where you're going to have to potentially make change a lot closer to the point in time when you don't want to be making that change. Sam Warburton, he was talking about the next game as being a win no matter what. Is it, is it that serious now, do you think? I think so, just for the for the level of confidence within the players. They need to go, right, we, we can win as a team. I, I worked on that game in the World Cup, actually, when they, play, when they played against the Georgians. And they're, they're a bit of a pest as a team. Like they, don't, they don't lie down. Well, uh, that's, what, but that's, what, that's why I was trying to, you know, wrote an article about this for Telegraph. And I was trying to get over the point that, because England did such a comprehensive job, don't think that Georgia are a pushover, because they're not. No. And, they've, and they've shown they can be awkward. I mean, they're not, they haven't got the fluidity and so on. Um, not even near the Italians at the moment, but but they are not easy to subjugate. And England did that was a mark of England's job. It was a bit like it was a bit like the Masters, you know, so dominant that it made it not a contest. Well, I think also there's a danger, isn't there, when you come up against sides that are in in that second tier. Oh, we should smash these by sixty, seventy. That doesn't happen anymore. It, we, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, there is an element of. The, the, the more senior team is 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 sucked down a peg or two, but also it's a real opportunity for those those tier two nations to have a crack at one of the big boys in in world rugby, um, and I think Georgia will see this as an opportunity this weekend. Okay, last weekend they they got nilled at Twickenham. They probably would have thought that they they were never going to come out of that with you know flying colours. This weekend, I think they probably fancy their chances of of, of providing an upset mm-hmm. given where Wales are. Um, given the fact that um, it's not going to be played in um, the Principality Stadium with loads of mental Welsh fans going nuts in Cardiff, um, here is their prime opportunity to do a job. And God knows what the weather will be like. I mean, it was like the, the last time. And this is something I think that um, it came up on uh, my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, people are asking for uh, broadcasters to put weather conditions in. Now, I'm not sure how you can do that because, <laughs> you know, you can have prevailing winds and so on, but in, you know, as a kicker in a stadium, I know as a thrower in a stadium, the, it goes in one direction and, and the other. You were talking to Adam Hastings at, at, at Murrayfield, they have separate wind, wind tunnels. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, case in point, Newcastle. Yeah. I mean, I've never been but, to a windier, windier place. And, and no. you know, that was, I guess, back in the day when, when Wilco was up there, his understanding of how wind moves around a stadium. Um, but, I, I, you know, look back to that uh, Scotland-Wales game a couple of weeks ago. It was all, all over the shop, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, I guess, from that perspective, Wales will be thinking, oh, look, let's please not have a, conditions like that again because it will probably allow the Georgians to, to gain well, a it'll be a lower, It'll lower the common denominator, won't it? Exactly, exactly. Um, I'll be really interested to see how that, how that game pans out. Really very pleased to say we've got uh, one of England's star players to join us for this podcast. It's Elliot Daly, England's uh, utility back, but presently majoring at fullback. Hello, uh, Elliot. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, not bad. Look, first game back at Twickenham since March. Strange circumstances. What was it like? Yeah, it was very different to a, a usual Twickenham day, but I think. Um, 
we knew that we just wanted to go out there and, and try and make England proud in such a in such a tough time. So uh, hopefully we did that. And um, yeah, looking forward to the next uh, couple of games coming up now. How much have you delved into the World Cup defeat? Because they're not easy to come back from. Um, and the expectation beforehand, rightly, I think, was huge. The disappointment must have been the same. What have you taken, if anything, out of, of that loss that, that you're trying to bring forward? I think we spoke about it probably um, before the Six Nations, uh, at the start of the Six Nations back in sort of uh, early January, February time, um, and just spoke about how well we did to get to that situation. And, and obviously it didn't go the way we wanted, but I think as a group, uh, we played some really good rugby in that tournament. And obviously we didn't come away with what we wanted, but um, there's a lot of positives to take on board. Um, so we just went to attack the Six Nations and I think it was a credit to everyone involved, staff and coaches and, and players as well to get, um, after losing the World Cup final, to come back and, and get Six Nations trophy was a brilliant achievement really. I think it was a little unfair the other way that it, it, it turned out in the Six Nations because you know France played a, a great last game and you know Italy wasn't the, the greatest of games for, for England and yet if you'd have carried on from where you were before the the lockdown you know England was starting to come very good and were looking you know were looking much the better sort of side. Um, what a, when you went to the Georgia game, I thought it was uh, it was just making a point and saying look this is what we need to do against this sort of side. Was that the case or was was it very much dictated by the weather? No, we talked about a week about how um, prolific they are when it comes to scrum time and set piece. So we wanted to go at them in, in those areas. And I thought we did that, especially in the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes. We really ground them down. Um, and then, yeah, in the second half, uh, conditions weren't the best, but we just stuck to our game plan and, and what worked well for us in the first half. Um and to be fair, Georgia, they defended pretty well. Um, obviously, we probably left a few points out there, but I think the way we went about the win was exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to be uh, approached like a normal test match like we would do with any any team, and, and that's what we did and came away with the victory. And 40-0 earlier in a, in a test match is, you know, that's a brilliant win. Um, is it frustrating that people expect you to, you know, rack up a cricket score against against sides like this when actually it takes a lot more to break them down than people expect? Yeah, at the end of the day, um, you go into the game, they're an international team. Um, I think they're ranked 12th in the world. Um, so yeah, we, we went into the game um, no different to any other game, no different to this weekend's game. So um, we went in with the, the mindset of breaking them down and we did that. And yeah, to come away 40-0 was, was a brilliant result for us. Obviously, as I said, we left some points out there, but... To, to score six tries and, and, and not concede on was, was a brilliant um, outcome from the game. And Eddie Jones is not afraid to bring in young, upcoming talent. Um, there's a few new faces in the England camp right now. Who's impressed you most during training? I think a lot of them, really. I think the way that the, the boys come in now, I think we, we try and make an environment where they can come in and express themselves. And I think they're very happy to do that. Obviously, Jack Willis getting his first start and first cap at the weekend. Um, he's been... He's been on the on the fringes for a while now and obviously coming back from a serious injury, he's done really well to get back to uh, playing some of his best rugby. Um, I think the likes of sort of Ollie Lawrence and Max Malins and and people like that who are getting their first caps now in the squad. Um, it's, just, it's just exciting when we go out to train and everyone, the, the, the competition in training is really high at the moment. Elliot, this is one thing that I wanted to ask you. It could be born out of the Argentina victory against New Zealand. 
the traditional vernacular wisdom is that you need a certain amount of, of game time before you can get into clicking. And yet they managed to pull that performance with a 13 months not having a game. So how much can you actually achieve in camp that's game related? And, and, and do you actually need those series of games? Um, I think you can you can get a lot out of camp. I think the way we train is um, is, is over game intensity. So when we do go into a game, we're we're used to sort of being under that pressure and that fatigue. Um, and I think the way we train, we just want to try and push ourselves as much as possible. And yeah, you do get a lot out of that. I think you do get a lot playing games. But as you said, I think with 13 months out of rugby for them, I think it was one of those things that there was a massive build-up to that game. Um, and we're, we're lucky here to have trained with each other for the last sort of three, four, five weeks. And hopefully we can get some of our best stuff out at the end of this tournament. Uh, on a personal note, you've, you've committed to Saracens you know, early in the summer with a number of other players. Um, there are going to be dips in the quality of your opponents, um, you know, week to week. Uh, will that be beneficial or will it be a challenge? Are you talking about in the championships? Or? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, at the moment, um, it's not something I'm thinking about at the moment just because one thing hasn't really been nailed down yet. And secondly, it's, we're in England camp until sort of mid-December. So at the moment, it's it's not something that's in the forefront of my mind. I think, obviously, when we, we finish this tournament, I hope we finish it well, um, go back to club and then start thinking about the next sort of three, or sort of two, three months before the Six Nations starts again. Um, how to get myself um, in, in the best possible shape for Saris and hopefully help them, but then also get get back here and, and start playing well for England again. Just ahead of your game against Ireland this weekend, they, they look like they've lost a couple of key uh, individuals within their team. Do you think that makes them any less of a threat? No, definitely not. I think the way they, the squad they have, the, the players they have, um, I think the way that you can see they're such a well-drilled and, and well-trained team. Um, I think everyone kind of knows their role within the team. Um, and you see sort of the likes of James Lowe coming into there, adding a bit of quality to their back line. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be too different, I don't think. Um, definitely, not. we're not thinking that it's going to be easier. Definitely not. I think the quality they've got in their squad all, all, all around the board is, is, is pretty good. Uh, th- that is undoubtedly the case. But, you know, when, you, when they're down to the third choice 10... Um, will that be something that you look at to think, well, maybe, actually, no matter what they do there, they're not going to be have a familiar defensive system. And certainly under under the, the acutest pressure, if we can get quick ball, that'll be a channel to look to go down. Uh, maybe, I think, the, these things always happen when they're in the game. You can talk about it before the game, but until you get into the game and see what's going on, then we'll, we'll make plans accordingly. I think um, we'll talk about, obviously, all the options, but we won't know the team until um, the day before anyway. So you've got to just approach it as you would approach um, playing Ireland any other time. And then whoever they, whoever they pick, whoever plays, then you can um, make plans around that. Elliot, um, that's good, good of you to speak to us. Uh, good luck uh, over the uh, next few weeks. And let's make sure that uh, England come away with a, a, winning, uh, a winning place. Cheers, thanks very much. When we're talking about the Irish, they they had a while ago a succession of people who they nominated, say just Andrew and so on was one of them, amongst others, to take the ball forward. Now, I'm not sure now who and what their, their go-to forwards are. Ryan takes the ball a bit forward, but he's not a bullocking forward. He's a dynamic. 
Healy when he's fit and so on is one. Um, I'm not sure if they've got as many carriers as they need. No, and then you you know look at look at a t- uh, side like the Italians, for example. They have got big ball carriers now in their back row, all of them, and um, I think you need that. And there's an element that Caelan Doris is a fantastic player. I saw him play in the under twenties a couple of years ago, and uh, but he's a different he's a different type of back rower mm-hmm. to someone like um, CJ Stander. And I think there's an, always an element in a team where you need that player that if it's going, if it's all breaking down around you, you go, right, just give it to him and he'll get you on the front foot. If you don't have those sprinkled across your attacking uh, options, you, you're in danger of getting thumped on the gain line. And then we know what it's like at the breakdown. It's, it's, it's impossible to get that ball out uh, quickly if you're not on the front foot. So I think that's potentially an area that, that um, Ireland have to address. And the fact that Robbie Henshaw is out this weekend is is really big for them because he's, he is a focal point in the backs. Uh, and I th- I'm a big believer in the fact that you do need two pairs of eyes, so you do need two ball carriers, but you also, sorry, uh, two ball players, but you also need a ball, big ball carrier. And that is, that is the Irish um, point of uh, penetration coming from Henshaw. And if he's not there, I'm not quite sure where it's going to come from. Well, the Leinster's Kiwi-born winner, James Lloyd-Prest, um, well, alongside Gibson Park, Billy Burns, um, make it the three project players. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, because the World Cup rugby recently they delayed the motion to extend the residency rule from three to five years, and teams will now have until the thirty first of December twenty twenty one to register their product player project players. Yeah, look, I don't like the term to be honest. No, I don't either. Um, and I think Scotland have got a few as well, haven't they? In WP Nell, I think Willem van der Valt qualifies today for Scotland. Um, but that said, James Lowe is a brilliant player. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can use those rules to get him into your side, then why not? I think. Oh no, I, I I just don't understand why. I presume it's through COVID they've they've done this. But I always said that the residency rule should be it should be four years or more because that stopped World Cup hopping. Yeah. You know, you could think, I don't made it for this time. Therefore, if I go next time, I can within three years, I'll make a World Cup. And I've always thought, if you did it four years, then they have to commit outside a World Cup. And that's a much more of a, you know, of my heart is here and I'll, I'll take that chance rather than actually, I've just missed out where I am, uh, you know, naturally resident. I think where I'm, it really stands out is when you've, you've been in a squad. Yes. And suddenly you appear somewhere else within yes. months. Yes, and the fact that you haven't, you know, been capped is is your sort of only saving grace. Yes, and I think we've seen that a few times recently. Yeah. Um, so as long as that's not happening, you know, and, and these guys, Jameson Gibson Park and, and and James Lowe, they've been there for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and I think they've contributed at a level that that, you know, why not try and exploit those those yeah. rulings um, if they can, the Irish. Well, now time to speak to a special guest. Uh, my goodness, this makes me feel old in many ways. <laughs> Adam Hastings, the Scottish fly half. Adam, hello, first of all. You missed the game against Italy because he went uh, for surgery on a dislocated shoulder. How How is that now? Um, yeah, it's all good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, had surgery uh, last Monday, so it's been seven days now. Um, feels all right, to be fair, considering it's, it's only seven days post-op. I, I finally... 
mastered the art of putting on a, a t-shirt with one arm so <laughs> that's good news but yeah all good thanks um how long do they reckon do you reckon it will it will, it will take for a until we will see you back to near action um oh, like they always give you a kind of ballpark figure and depending on recovery and stuff like that between different people but they, they've said four months um so obviously being a being an optimist that I am, I'm, I'm hoping slightly less. You get an you get an extra three months and they kind of see if the bones fused on um to what they've done and then um from then on it's just when you get your strength back. So I've not I am not that strong anyway, so I've not got that much to catch up on. <laughs> well Finn Russell also missed the game and I was tempted to post a tweet and say, Who is it playing at Fly Half? Is it Will Ferrell? Um is it Art Garfunkel? Leo Sayer, none of which you 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 won't remember them. You're too young, but uh, Duncan Weir. I mean, I know he was it was uh, all, all for a good cause. Eleven k was raised, but what was what was the reaction to his new hairstyle? Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's a few dodgy barnets kicking about. So, yes, there are. Um, he's oh. not the worst by a long shot, but um, no. Nah, look, I think obviously it's it's for a good cause, and to be fair, I actually think he suits the. <laughs> um, it's funny when he does it at training when he kind of puts it back it looks a bit sideshow Bobby um, off the Simpsons but yeah now we've given him a bit of stick but all for a good cause so all good Adam you've got five wins in a row now um, and Gregor Townsend said after the weekend's result that there's still a lot more to come from the from the team what what areas do you think that the side need to to develop to really take your game on <laughs> that's a tough one uh, I think well what we've seen at the weekend especially against Italy and those kind of games where, you know, they're down and dirty, they're a bit of an arm wrestle. In the past, we'd, we'd have potentially lost those games. But um, you've seen that's where I think we've gotten better is these tight games, especially against Wales the other week. And um, these tight games where it's maybe not on to run as much. Um, you've seen we can kind of control the game now and, and kind of put teams where we want them. Um, you know, we've got a lot of physical ball carriers now, our forward packs, you know, getting there especially well. Um, and yeah, there's just, you know, there's competition for places and, you know, we feel as a squad, we're really strong. Um, it's probably just being consistent throughout that 80 minutes. You know, it's kind of cliche one that a lot of teams chase, but I think for us, you know, we're, we're good in dribs and drabs a lot of the time. Um, we sometimes let teams off the hook with easy tries. So I think that's probably where, where we need to improve on. Well, France are up next um, and they pose a peculiar, you know, uh, a threat, uh, especially around half-back and when they, you know, the, the fact that they're quite capable of scoring from improbable situations. What do you think are the primary things that uh, Gregory is going to be stressing as to how you go about beating them? I think just more of the same of what we've been doing. Obviously, you know, being accurate with the ball um, and, you know, on, on turnovers, just trying to kill it as quickly as possible. So if we spell that, just jump straight on it because we know how dangerous France can be. Um, from turnover um, probably around that kind of guard shield day around the rucks watching DuPont um, that'll be a big threat of theirs you know the wingers like sniffing around there as well I think just bringing a lot of line speed to try and to try and counteract you know that dangerous back line that they've got as well and let's talk about your own year before the shoulder injury um, you started four out of five games uh, how how are you feeling about your levels of performance and and how is your relationship with Finn Russell? Because it's always very difficult, isn't it, as a player when you're, you're maybe vying for one position. Um, but I think I think there's certainly something to be said that that you can actually both add to what Scotland are trying to do. Um, yeah, look, obviously it was, it was nice to kind of get a run of games in a, in a Scotland shirt. Um, you know, as a starter, I'd obviously 
in the past and been involved in the 23 and, you know, got limited game time, obviously, because Finn was starting um, and, you know, I probably wasn't um, as much of an option anywhere else at that point. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was good to kind of get that run. I think, you know, the relationship with me and Finn, I've had these questions quite a lot, but honestly, there's, there's zero animosity there. You know, I think people would uh would like it if if they found out we were going at each other in training and not getting along you know i've heard stories obviously you know about ron o'gara and, and sexton that that's been kind of publicized as well and um, but it's honestly nothing like that um you know we get we get along well we're, we're pally with each other whoever's starting the other one will offer offer their help and um you know it was actually nice to to play together for once at, at 10 12 um you know against georgia Albeit for 15 minutes, it was just good fun to throw throw the ball about um, against a tiring team. So, um, yeah, look, obviously Finn's a quality player and and he's great to learn off as well. You know, I, I love picking his brain, especially. You know, he's had a, he's had a great couple of years out in France and and yeah, it's been good spending time with him again. Do you think that dynamic of having two ball players in a in a team? I've just been talking about it with Brian. Um, but with some of the other international teams, it certainly makes them more of an attacking threat when they've got two pairs of eyes, two guys that can spot the space. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, especially um, almost kind of two tens in that role as well. You know, you get ball playing 12s, but I think until you've played at 10, um, you kind of don't really see that side of the coin. So, um, you know, I've obviously played at, played at Glasgow a lot with Pete Horn and, He's a ten. Well, he's played a lot at ten as well. So he, he just kind of offers that extra pair of eyes. Obviously, Sam Johnson's um, very good at good at that role as well. But yeah, I think you know you've seen it with England, Ford Farrell, and you've seen it with Australia as well. Um, and then obviously All Blacks have kind of tried it with with Bowden Barrett and Moanga. So yeah, I think it's definitely something that that can be brought to the table. A uh, question from a, a fan, Adam. Uh, now you've cemented your place in international uh, rugby. How does uh, Gavin take to being called Adam's dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure we're there yet. Um, I'm glad you said that, though. I'll, I'll let him know. But totally good. Um, well, I've got a no, question looking... for you, actually. Have you well... gotten Gav? Who is longest off the tee? Oh, me? Come on, <laughs> you can't be Not at the moment. Well, that's nearly, <laughs> that's nearly 60. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Yeah, but he, you know, he always told me. He always told me that that was his forty. He said he was big off the tee. <laughs> uh, to be honest, maybe back in the day, but, but not so much now. I played. I played with him a bit during lockdown, and um, his short game is pretty good. But that's the thing I, I hold myself credit for is, is out driving him. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But finally, um, how are you feeling in general about uh, the next year or so with the prospect of fans returning to games and so on? it's been a very atypical time. Can you tell me, from your perspective, you know, just what are the biggest differences you 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 find? What have you had to to try and actively cope with that you you found surprising? Um, yeah, it's a strange one. Obviously, running out to an empty stadium, you know, they're still playing the music and, and things like that. So, um, there's similarities, but you're just never going to get the same atmosphere as when there's, when there's a crowd, especially with internationals, you know, 70,000 people screaming. It's, it's, it's rather different, to be honest. And, um, you know, especially at the start, when we're running out for club, I, I really struggled to get myself, you know, really, really up for games. Um, so it was, it's just about, I think, creating your own atmosphere. You know, boys have spoken about, I think, 
seeing other teams do it. Um, you know, Italy at the weekend, they were extremely passionate. Um, you know, after every penalty, they were in they were in Scotland's face celebrating and, um, you know, just getting around each other. I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest challenge for teams is, is going to be, um, you know, creating that atmosphere. But, you know, fingers crossed we can we can get fans in as soon as possible. Um, I'm hoping they don't come back until I'm fit because it'll make me even more jealous of the boys playing. But, um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the target. Adam, it's great to uh, speak to you. Please say hello to uh, your mum and dad for me. And uh, the best of uh, luck with not just the injury, but uh, the career as we go into uh, next year. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, appreciate it for having me on and, and take care. Thank you. Tom, now, talking about crowds, uh, there's been a big difference when you're watching the Southern Hemisphere, hasn't there? Oh. You know, over the weekend. Uh, well, where did that come from? Sydney. Argentina. Unbelievable. New Zealand, first time in the history. And actually, not a fluke either. No, and that was, what, that's full-born New Zealand as well. That's not with a side that's been changed a couple of times, uh, like like Australia beat last week. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I didn't get to see it. I, I was watching it. I don't know whether you watch it or you read it on social media, but um, either way, I was, that was what I was doing. And um, I couldn't believe what was coming through. Uh, it's it's amazing, and then uh, I tell you what I did see was how the Argentinians had managed to keep themselves going during lockdown. That that piece about how each individual had been taking themselves um, to to try and improve themselves as a player, whether it be skills well, or fitness. I mean, the first game they played for thirteen months. That's ridiculous. I know, I've noticed loads of people have been <laughs> been getting stuck into the South Africans who think think they need between six hundred and eight hundred minutes of rugby or something like that to get up to speed, or is it four hundred and six hundred, whatever it is? Well, I mean, a lot that, more that's traditional Argentina. wisdom, but it obviously shows that you know it, it isn't ubiquitous. It isn't uh, you know something that has to happen because I mean the, the first time the All Blacks have had consecutive defeats since two thousand and eleven. I mean that's just how good they are. And of course, well, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because it's a New Zealand Herald, which is, you know, a sort of lower version of the Sun. Um, I've been <laughs> calling for, um, you know, heads already. I mean, uh, well, Hanson was has gone. It, it was never going to be easy, even with the All Blacks, especially with their expectations. But I mean, that that's a ludicrous call, isn't it? That's completely bonkers. Yeah. You know, you, there's, they just have to have some understanding about how, how professional sport evolves, how teams evolve. There are, there are always peaks and troughs. And, and any time you remove the leader of one team, there is going to be a, a period of vulnerability. And I think that's where they find themselves right now. But pff, as a group of players, you can't really question them, can you? Full Contact, in association with Mitsubishi Motors. Everyone's ambitions are different. You can climb to the top. Or you could take on uphill battles of a different kind. You can explore for hundreds of miles, or you could begin a bigger journey. You can make time fly, or you could make it stand still. The Mitsubishi SUV range. Drive your ambition. In partnership with England Rugby, Mitsubishi Motors run a volunteer recognition programme to provide the rugby community with opportunities to recognise and reward volunteers who are the heartbeat of the game. Now, throughout the autumn, in association with uh, Mitsubishi, I will be chatting with a selection of rugby volunteers to hear their stories and shine a light on the brilliant work they've been doing during these most challenging times. 
My guest for the fourth instalment is Jeremy Povey from Marlowe IUFC. Jeremy, um, I hear that uh, during the pandemic, Marlowe have been helping and offering its facilities to local NHS and emergency services. Can you tell us a bit more about this and, and how you were involved? Yeah, certainly. Hi, Brian. Um, yeah, so we've, we've helped out in a number of ways, really. Um, um, offering a prescription service to, I think we've, we've delivered over 1,000 prescriptions to around 500 residents of Marlow who are sort of in the vulnerable groups, um, save them having to um, to go out the houses to get them. Uh, we've offered our facilities, um, our car parks being used for um, mobile testing um, quite recently. And we also had teams of um, people go to three local surgeries to set up um, outside clinics so people can get um, things routine, things like blood tests and so on done from the uh, the insides of their cars, so obviously avoiding contact with the surgeries. Hey, Jeremy, um, the, the, the variety of ways that you could have, uh, as a club, have, have, have chosen to help in and around uh, the current situation. What was the what was yours and the reasons, club's reasons for choosing to support the NHS and emergency services in particular over other things? Um, really, because that was where where the greatest need seemed to be. Um, we reached out, we made a decision fairly early on as a management committee that um, we wanted to to help, um, and we put feelers out to various organisations, community groups to to ask. Um, what help they needed, and and the uh, the feedback from that was that um, it was the the NHS and um, and but oh, has this continued? How has it continued into the second lockdown? Um, so we're continuing doing mobile testing. The prescription services is ongoing as well. Um, we're not doing the clinics anymore, um, but obviously the next thing we're expecting on the horizon is whether um, we're required to help with the the vaccine rollout. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, it's been very difficult. I've been speaking to a lot of junior clubs and, and members and, 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 and all without exception are finding it tough to keep hold yeah. of people, to volunteers and so on. Yeah. When you come out of the other side, when, we, when the game comes out of the other side of this, how are Marlowe uh, as a club going to be? What shape are you going to be in? Well, we've, we're pretty fortunate in that we have a, a very committed management team i don't pretend it's not been difficult and the constantly changing uh, restrictions on both social and rugby activity mean constant replanning but our senior squad and our, um, our junior sections you know numbers of uh, 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 keeping buoyant we actually um, got good numbers coming down to training uh, we did do before the second lockdown um, and with the rfu's announcement that the uh, the leagues will be cancelled um we, we've begun a planning process to set up some local leagues uh, within the Bucks area where, with the help of the constituent body to organise that so that um, we, we can actually deliver some kind of competitive rugby um, within this season. And It's all about keeping the boys informed, keeping the members informed and, and giving them something to look forward to because um, actually a, a big part of why they come to the club is to keep contact with each other um, keep involved with the club, um, and that goes for you know all the sections across the club, really. Well, Jeremy, uh, can I thank you for uh, you and the club uh, for the work you've been doing in around the wider community. Uh, good luck uh, with the future. At least what you always have, because I used to train there with England, is a superb location and uh, yeah. you know great facilities. Absolutely, that's that's very kind of you, Brian. Thank you. 
For more details of the Mitsubishi Motor Volunteers Recognition Programme with England Rugby, visit www.englandrugby.com forward slash participation forward slash volunteers forward slash. Turning now to the uh, women's game, very pleased to say we've got special guest on the line, Rachel Burford, the England and Harlequin Centre. Um, I think Rachel is bringing her academy to my uh, daughter's rugby club, she, my 12-year-old daughter. She's really excited, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will promise I'll try not to disappoint. <laughs> OK. No pressure. <laughs> 33-10 win away to France, now ranked number one in the world. Um, can't get much better, can it? Well, I think it probably can from from if you saw the game. I think there's still plenty of opportunities and plenty of growth. And I think if you look also at the amount of players who are out for England, it is a pretty exciting prospect about what else can come from this side. But um, aside from all of that, I think they'll be very pleased with going away to France and putting on a scoreline like that. Um, it's pretty special. And, and to take themselves back to number one, which is something they've been fighting for for a while now, um, I would suspect it's been a pretty couple of happy days for them. Yeah, I mean, it's the last time the, the side lost the game was in March 2018. As, as, as you mentioned, the number of players who aren't available and you see the players who are performing now, do you think this is the best crop that they've had? I definitely think, um, you know, with, with what's happened with the Sevens programme, it's allowed for the young talents come back into the 15 set up and it's mm-hmm. showed that, you know, England have historically had pretty good depth, um, but we've just not been able to see much of that talent because they've been off um, with sevens duty. So I think it's, it's incredible to see that they've come back and, and it's not taken them that much time to get back in, settle back into 15s. They've obviously been playing in the Allianz Premier 15s week in, week out for the last four rounds, which has given them some opportunities. But I think it's a, it's a really good place to be. I mean, Simon Minton's going to have, you know, tough decisions to make with, if if all these players are available to him, if they all choose to do 15s. Again, we don't know what's kind of going to happen when it comes around to summer next year and what players may potentially want to do. But I think the youngsters that are coming through now it is really inspiring. And it's great to see because there's been a big group of us that have kind of, you know, been playing for England for a number of years, waiting for that next group to come through that was kind of us 10, 15 years ago. And now we're starting to see it. And I hate to say it, but they're better than what we were 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah, it's definitely good that the depth that England have. Rachel, before we go on to discuss the uh, World Cup draw, um, these are atypical times. It's not easy for for the RFU. Um, I think people give the RFU uh, stick that they don't really deserve in, in this a particular context, they're struggling as badly as everyone else is to try and keep themselves and through extension the game afloat. Now, um, what ideally, if they were able to finance all the women's programmes, I'm not sure they will be able to. Would you? What would you urge them to do? Would you keep the demarcation? Would you? Would you extend that or what? What would you keep them between the both? sevens and fifteens? Would you? Would you, would you ask them to? To, 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 yeah. to make that again or not? I, personally, what I would do, I'd try and find a way to, to have them involved in both. Yeah, I agree. Why not have your, your best players playing in two of the biggest tournaments in our game 
and showcasing the game itself. I think it's been done before uh, for a number of years. It's been managed really well and how players cross over. It still happens with, in places like New Zealand. You think of 2017, the players who came over from sevens, there was four or five of them that played sevens all year round and then came back and played in the World Cup final. Um, Sarah Henry, um, Kelly Brazier, Portia Woodman, Stacey Wacker. So I think it can be done um, if, you know, hopefully, and, and I'd like to hope that the programmes might look to work together to get the most, the best out of the players, but also the opportunity to, to go to the Olympics and be a medalist and go to the World Cup and become champions. Rachel, we talk about the World Cup. The, the draw for the next, next year's World Cup is made on Friday. Um, do England go into that tournament as favourites? Obviously, they're number one in the world, but I mean, New Zealand are obviously very, very good as a, as a team, but, but France and Canada provide a lot of strength as well, don't they? Yeah, they do. I think, unfortunately, we're still in that stage where everybody looks at England and New Zealand being, that will be what the final is. Um, and on current form, England and New Zealand will be the, the favourites going into that tournament. But you can't underestimate France, Canada, and, and even USA. That, you know, that's another programme that if they could utilise some of their sevens players into their 15s, then, you know, they could be a real threat um, at the World Cup. And but you know as well as I do that no team goes into World Cups thinking you know that we're, it's going to be easy or that just because you're favourites, you're going to get to final stages. This World Cup is different. We obviously have quarterfinals and semifinals. And, and just the fact that more knockout stages are there, it does bring different pressure and that, you know, that does different things to different players. Uh, club level, uh, Rachel, you've had a perfect start to the season. A bonus point win over sale over the weekend. Only yourselves and Saris. Now remain unbeaten. Um, Sarries traditionally have, have had the better of Queens, just about. Um, is it? <laughs> are you going to? Are you going to reverse it this year? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's our aim. Um, every season, we we sit down as a group, and our aim and ambition is to to win the league. And we've come short a few years in a row, and we hope that this year that we've got, you know, a bit more of a, a balance of experience and young talent as well. We have been a really young side the last couple of years. So we think that we've kind of overcome those steps and we've got Gerard Mullen now, new coach that brings in a new dynamic and is trying to, you know, fix up on a few things. So we feel, you know, five games in, we're, we're confident of where we are, but I think what Gerard is really kind of, you know, to home to all of us is that how much more potential we have to grow and how many opportunities even though we're four wins from four and, and bonus points and all of those we are still missing a hell of a lot of opportunities and we're still not at our potential yet so I think with that excitement and the experience have you got the power that we've learnt, have you got the power baby? because of the Cleal twins and uh, Marley and all these things that's in the end when I've seen it that's what's been the deciding factor yeah look I think our, our upfront pack is is unbelievable powerful we we get double fold from them because they're they're very dynamic around the park you've got shauna brown vic cornbra you know vic cornbra is one of the most outstanding and underestimated players i think out there amy cocaine on center front row abby ward i mean <laughs> the bulk of the start this weekend for england was um from harlequin so i'm hoping you know that that this year we, we have a bit more of an edge to us. We've also got Kirsten Sommer coming back from USA that's joining us. We've got Anna Kaplis this year as well. So I think we, we have got plenty of power. I think it's just about being able to um, apply it on the day under pressure 
in those moments. And I think that's something that we've got to get better at throughout the season. Are we there yet? No, but we definitely have the players and the ability. And it's just about making sure that we build throughout this season to hopefully come those knockout stages and we're in them, that we're able to, to hold on to that pressure and bring that power game. Well, Rachel, it's great to speak to you. Thanks for your insights. I'm looking forward to seeing you down at Wimbledon. Um, well, I'll be taking my daughter along uh, to see how she gets along. Re- best of luck with the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> best of luck with the rest of No, no, I, no. What, 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 the things I can coach, I shouldn't be taught to, uh, to young players. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they, All right, we'll uh, save that then. Exactly. But it's great to speak to you, and thanks very much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Bye. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Brian. Bye. Uh, Tom, Gallagher Premiership back this weekend. It's uh, still just finished, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah. No. What can you say? Um, it, it, it's all it's all strange, isn't it? I I I don't know how anyone is supposed to predict who will do what and where. Well, I, the biggest thing for me is 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 how the players have recovered in between. You yeah. know, you can't get that mental break because you can't go anywhere. The physical break just it's not really there, is it? So it's be really mind you. Look, they did have. A long months, months, well, which, yeah. which they never had. No, I don't think they'll ever get that in, again in their careers. Well, it, it actually might lengthen some careers. Yes. I think and that's a that's a genuine statement. I think some of those some of the players will really benefit from their time off. Um, but it's just bonkers, isn't it? That it's back already. Good though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, did you see? I mean, it's going to be different. Saracens not there. Newcastle not played a competitive game for two hundred fifty three days. Yeah, you've got to feel for those guys, haven't you? They, they, I mean, gained their promotion. They've just had to sit on their hands. Uh, they've had a, a couple of warm-up games uh, against against Ealing. Um, listen, I, I think, of course, Exeter are going to be up there uh, to the final stages of this season. That said, I think a lot of their players are going to be involved in, in various different international periods. I think Rob, Rob Baxter mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, when he was on the show? Mm. Um I think the team that will be really licking their lips right now will be Wasps. Wasps yeah. Because yep. actually, the fact that it is a short down season or off season means they don't lose that much momentum from the last one. Um, so they can just hit the ground running, get back in, into the groove. And, and with the likes of Jimmy Gopeth, um, Jacob, Jacob Umanga st- still in and around that team, I think they're going to be in a really strong position. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Huge thank you to my guest Tom May and indeed to all our guests today. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and check out some of our previous ones and stay up to date on all things sport. You can head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash contact where listeners can get 30 days access to all The Telegraph's premium sports coverage completely free. I'll be back next week when we will be looking back on England's Clash with Ireland as well as the Scotland versus France game. Though for now, it's goodbye. Full Contact, in association with Mitsubishi Motors. Drive your ambition. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.